Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to give a voice to the women whose stories are meaningful, moving, and compelling. And no doubt, today's guest has quite a few of those stories. I'm not sure that we could get everything uh, in in the 30 minutes that we have, but Judy Lloyd certainly does have a lot of uh, great stories to share. So Judy, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Well, Judy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I guess, you know, I should start at the beginning. Um, I grew up in Cortland, New York in the snow belt. In fact, it was minus nine there um, this morning and 60 three, I think, where I live in Danville, California now, so quite a big difference. Um, and I grew up in a very small town, uh, middle-class home, uh, went to school at Clarkson University, which is in Potsdam, New York, um, and at age 23, found my way to Washington, D.C., where I served as a receptionist for my local congressman um, and made $13,000 and thought I was rich, so think about that by today's <laughs> standards. Yeah. Um, and I, I never at the time imagined um, that I would pursue a career and love a career in government and politics, but I was drawn to public service and always wanting to make a difference. So um, by age 28, I had had the opportunity to serve on both sides of the, of the Capitol. So in the U.S. Senate for Senator Bob Dole and in the U.S. House for Congressman Sherwood Bowler, and it also been a presidential appointee of Ronald Reagan at the Department of Agriculture. Um, and since then, I've uh, just to fast forward, I've owned my own business. I handle public affairs, grassroots mobilization, um, fundraising and development and do a lot of community projects. Um, and I've had the chance to work with both Democrats and Republicans. Um, I always choose to work for people I believe in who I believe are pragmatic and want to be problem solvers. Um, and on a family note, I'm very proud of my family. I'm wife to Tim Lloyd, who's an entrepreneur, and his company does safety technology for seniors and adults with developmental disabilities. And my, my son, Michael Lloyd, is a senior at Texas Christian University studying business and finance. So um, and I know you, wanted, you, you were interested in uh, some community, so I'll tell you a little bit about what I've done in the community. Um, I serve on the California Leadership Council for the National Federation of Independent Business. Um, I serve as vice president of our local exchange club in the San Ramon Valley. Um, I'm a member of the Danville Area Chamber of Commerce and the 100 Club of Contra Costa, um, as well as a member of Impact 100, um, a women's organization that supports um, Contra Costa and Alameda County. We provide transformational grants for local nonprofit organizations. So I guess that pretty much brings us up to date, I think. Well, Judy, I have to tell you, that's a lot. And look, folks, that's just you know, skeletal. She, she, I know this woman, I know of her. I've, I've, I've heard of her for years now through others with my involvement in politics and such. She is a force, a force. Um, and I love what you said about caring about, you know, people who can solve problems regardless of what side of the aisle they sit on. I am that way too. I love that. Absolutely. So, yeah. You're very, very good at what you do. Um, I, actually wish we lived and worked closer to each other. Uh, uh, we should definitely get together for a cup of coffee. I want to pick your brain, maybe learn a few things from you. I'll buy you coffee. Well, and, and vice, vice versa. I want to learn from you as well. So thank you for that. 
Oh, that was nice of you to say. Well, of all the amazing things that you've done, and folks, I'll, I'll give you access on the blog to, you know, hyperlinks and all the great things that she's done. You should connect with her on LinkedIn. I'll share her contact info. But of all the amazing things that you've done, what has been your proudest professional accomplishment? You know, I've been asked this a lot, and the answer always comes up the same. Um, I had a very unique opportunity um, when I worked as an advisor to Senate Majority Leader Bob Dole, and that was in the um, late 80s and early 1990s. And there was an opportunity. I, my job was to work on board and commission appointments. A lot of people don't realize that um, a lot of our boards and commissions in the United States have presidential appointees as well as from the leadership in the House and the Senate. And I worked on Senator Dole's appointments when he was Senate leader. And um, we had a very unique opportunity come up um, and it had to do with the US Civil Rights Commission. And we had all of these resumes come in from people. There was an, uh, an appointee who was uh, terming out and a vacancy was created. And we had all of these people uh, approach us uh, personally. Many, many letters came into our office um, of individuals that they thought would be good. But all of them were based on race, and it was always sort of thought of as, oh, if, a, if someone African-American retires, we need to appoint someone in their place as African-American. If someone Asian retires, we need to appoint another Asian. And we actually sat back, and I, I, I came up with this idea um, kind, of, kind of through learning from Senator Dole and his work with what was then the Dole Foundation for um, Employment with People with Disabilities. And I approached him and I, and I thought it was kind of a great thing to think about because Senator Dole had been disabled in um, World War II. And I approached him and I said, well, what if we don't do that? What if we don't do it by race or by color or by creed? What if we actually appoint the very first person with a disability? And he said, wow. hmm, let me think about that. Wow. And he, and he thought about it for, I think, all of 20 minutes. And then he came out to me where our staff office was right outside his office um, in the U.S. Capitol. And he came out to my desk. He said, you know, I think that's a good idea. And he said, call the call White House personnel and see see what they think of that, because we always worked in tandem with the, with the other leaders and with the White House of what they wanted to do. And I rem I'll never forget. I called the White House and they said, oh, gosh, we think President Bush might like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, awesome. and, you know, that put me in, in, in a bit of a pickle because we're always deferential to the president. But in this particular case, I pushed back a little and I said, well, we have a World War II veteran. And I realized, you know, President Bush 41 had also served in World War II. But Senator Dole became so well known as, as a major, you know, disability activist. I said, you know, I think it might be better if we did it. Why don't we work with you on who maybe one of your other appointees might be? <laughs> and um, so we ended up um, we we ended up uh, prevailing, and um, the person that we chose was named Russell Redenbaugh. Um, he had been blinded in a rocket accident when he was a child, so he had partial hands and and was blind. And um, he had an amazing, amazing pedigree. Went to the Wharton School of Business. Was just really an outstanding person. And what was really important to Senator Dole was to have somebody who wasn't necessarily a disability advocate, but somebody who was exceptional and happened to be disabled because he always believed, and I always remember him saying this, that a disability isn't what somebody has. It, a disability is what someone has, but not what someone is. 
And, you know, I always learned from him. I always appreciated that perspective. So um, we did that. And the result was changing the national conversation from race to employment of people with disabilities. So I considered that. Yeah, it was an amazing accomplishment. And he served for many, many years um, until his retirement. But it was very interesting. I remember I remember sitting in Senator Dole's office when we did the appointment. He came from Pennsylvania to Washington, D.C. And you never know, um, you know, when you're going to actually be up to, to give your speech. Sometimes it's sooner, sometimes it's later. So we were sitting in his office. And I remember the, the, um, the person who was working on this with me, his name is Dennis Shea. He was a great guy that worked for Senator Dole. And he came in and he said, he's about to give the speech. So we sat and we listened to the speech. And it occurred to me that listening to the speech with someone who was blind, um, who wouldn't have the opportunity, even if he was in the gallery, to see it was such an, an, an interesting and unusual experience and really, really touched me. I mean, it's something that I get very emotional about to this day because I remember when that happened and I remember the impact that we had. So long story short, that's, my, that's what I would consider my greatest accomplishment. Wow, you should be so proud of that moment and the fact that you pushed back. And I'll say this, um, for those of us who teach communications, I think that it's probably it was super powerful for this person who was without sight to hear Bob Dole. I mean, I think he was a great speech giver, in my opinion. Um, I think he was very moving, very compelling, like the stories that I like to share here. That is incredible. So it, I kind of think about today, we advise people to take the uh, gender or the name off the top of an application and just go with the merit. And so I love that you did that so way back when and made it fair, you know, not just checking the box or, um, you know, worried about D, but not focused on I in diversity and inclusivity. That, that's really powerful. You changed history, actually. Uh, so thank you for that. I don't know that I've ever had a podcast guest who could um, share that they've changed history in the way that you did, Judy. So that's pretty incredible. Well, I know that Bob Dole- Well, you know, we always, we, always learn, we always learn from our mentors that it's never about us. It's always- about the bigger picture. And, and I, I will tell you, you know, uh, Senator Dole has been somebody that um, for me has been a really a real inspiration and a mentor for me. And he always thought about America first and still does. So, you know, that it's just, it, it was an honor to work for him and an honor to have the opportunity, quite frankly, to say, hey, we could fill a niche here that's never been filled. And that was really great. Well, I think that you just answered my next question. I was going to say who's inspired you, but clearly Bob Dole has. And I will say this, that his actions in that, or your actions in that regard, um, are signs of leadership, not just manager, you know, manager level task, you know, taking and, and accomplishing tasks, but actually leading. So when you do put the bigger picture first and not self, and you put um, you know, how you're going to change the course of history over your own personal needs. That's pretty, pretty powerful leadership right there. So let me ask you this, speaking of leadership, how would you as a leader and as a woman in business advise us to maybe even on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, lift other women in business, support other women? Well, for me, I try, I try to take as many opportunities as I can to meet other women 
um, connect them with someone who might have a skill set that they're looking for or who might offer an opportunity to them that they may not have otherwise. Um, and, I, and I look at that across the board. Um, you know, I, I've, I've worked in a career in government and politics, you know, and had a business that does those types of things. And, and I really look at how, you know, how women act towards women, one another and how women conduct themselves. And I've always believed that the greatest leaders are the people that are able to strike a conversation with anyone and, you know, evaluate, is there something you could do to help them out and connect them? Um, and most importantly for me, learn from them. I have several um, very strong mentors here in Contra Costa County. I mean, when I, when you move from the East Coast, particularly upstate New York to Washington, D.C., and then out to California, you have a tendency to, to see and meet a lot of different people, and the cultures are completely different. And so I, what I've tried to do is learn at every step of the way, you know, how can I learn something more about, uh, about somebody that would make me more productive, but also helps them? And I guess that's how I would answer that question. I think, um, I think women who help one another have a tendency to thrive and have a tendency to um, to look at life differently because you're actually fulfilling not not just your own dream and your own goals, but their goals too. I love that. I love that. That's so powerful. We often talk about, um, you know, it's sad those women who can't collaborate or refuse to or operate out of fear. But for those of us who are all about collaboration, lifting others, sharing support. Um, it does pay back. I mean, you pay it forward, it does pay back. I mean, I have had, I have a universe of female connections all across the nation for sure, some overseas, but who would do anything I, I ask of them. And I never have asked anything, but I know that if I needed, I, I would have that universe of people to help me. Uh, so for that same reason, yes, collaboration, lifting others up, um, asking more questions than making statements. I think when we- Absolutely. Yeah, when we talk, we don't allow ourselves an opportunity to learn anything new, but when we listen, we do. So I love your theory. I'm all on board with everything you just said. Um, I can't wait for our cup of coffee, frankly. Um, what, has been, <laughs> what has been your biggest challenge or setback and how did you overcome it, Judy? Um, so this was, this was something that I never expected to do or expected to happen. Um, in 2008, I entered, um, the assembly race for what's now the assembly district 16 seat. It was then assembly district 15, um, prior to the redistricting. And I remember thinking when I got in, I was at the top of my game. I had just come off a presidential appoint, appointment at the labor department in the Bush 43 administration. I was, you know, at the top of my game and I thought, well, why not? I'm as good, as qualified as anybody else who might run. And it turns out I was as qualified as anybody else who might run, but nobody anticipated that we were gonna spend $2 million in a primary. Um, and for me, I ran against three men, built a very consequ consequential coalition, um, you know, doctors, business people, women, parents, you know, all across the board, people who came in to support me. And I raised a half a million bucks, which sounds like a lot of money. And I came in third. <laughs> and it was really strictly um, due to name ID. Um, I ran yeah. against a local mayor who was very popular. I ran against someone who had unlimited funding, um, you know, took money out of his own pocket to fund his race. 
And, you know, what I learned from that, you know, I, I certainly had some, some downtime after that, you know, a good uh, couple of months where I kind of was wondering who I was again. <laughs> um, but what I learned from that and, and the, you know, turning failure into success has shaped who I am today. And you are quite remarkable, and I'm sure you were remarkable then. Uh, name recognition is powerful. We know that people will uh, choose a name they've seen or heard before checking, you know, whether this person is even qualified for the position and right. their vote that way. Um, I would love to have a discussion with you offline someday about, um, you know, muted group theory and how men and women communicate differently and what role that played in your not winning the bid uh let's just say you still learned lots of lessons however from that you know win or learn never uh lose so i uh, can't wait to have well that. and you know and actually on that score if i if i may um just a, a quick point this was one of the more interesting things i learned and it had to do with um when you raise money and how you make your ask to a businessman versus a businesswoman and it was very, very interesting to me. And one of the things that I learned was you, if you approach men and you ask them for money, they'll always give you more than you think, than you think they're going to give you. And if you're on the phone with them more than 10 minutes, that's too long. When you talk to women, it could be 30 minutes because women really want to get to know each other. Yeah. And because women run budgets, we don't give as high of contributions, it turns out. And so one of the things that I learned, I, you know, in my, I had a very good campaign consultant who advised me, he said, don't bank your whole campaign on women. Women will fund you, but you're going to get two thirds of your money from men. And that really ended up to be true. Wow. That's interesting. I'd love to further explore that um, over our coffee date. Uh, I'll ask you this. Absolutely. So when I work with women who are trying to get a new position or maybe trying to get a raise or maybe a promotion within their current uh, company, I tell them open up front with the fact that, you know, studies show that men are readily accepted when they negotiate for money They're you know, it's perfectly fine. But when a woman negotiates for money, she's often looked at, like she's odd or this is strange or it's an uncomfortable thing to do. So just go ahead and say right up front, I know that, you know, men are perfectly fine in negotiating or people accept that readily. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to negotiate just so you know, I'm going to let you know up front that I plan on negotiating. Uh, so don't be frightened. Well, that's a good, that's a good strategy. And I have to tell you, um, you know, and I think some of your, your women viewers will appreciate this. Um, if I could tell you how many times that I had, um, and even with someone who is, was well-known in the media who was male, say to me, well, how old is your son? And I said, I forget exactly how old he was at that time, but he was like 10 or 11 maybe. And I remember them saying, well, why don't you go raise your son and then oh. come back later? Oh my gosh. And I recall at the time looking at one of them and saying, well, you know, one of my opponents has a newborn and he's male. You're going to tell him that? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, Judy, we have more work to do. <laughs> Much more. Work. <laughs> so I can't wait for our coffee date. This, I'm sure my listeners are like, gosh, I want to get to know this woman. So folks, don't worry. I'm going to share all of her contact information in the blog, as I mentioned earlier. Well, tell us something that no one, uh, well, maybe not no one, but 
let's tell us something that not everyone knows about you. Maybe a surprising fact about you that your friends may not know. Well, um, I, you know, I, I guess what I would say uh, on that score, people who know me well know this, but I always find, you know, no matter what you do in business or what you do in, in life, um, there's things about you that make you tick. And I absolutely love hiking, which is kind of a boring fact. Lots of people love hiking, but um, people might be surprised to know I actually love classic rock and country music. Um, I have for 40 years, every year, gone to classic rock and country music shows. In fact, my husband and I still go to like six or eight shows every year. And we plan them and we're on the fan list so we get the early tickets and we do the whole thing. And it's one of those things that just keeps me young and helps me to thrive. And, um, you know, I've seen everybody from the Grateful Dead to Bruce Springsteen to Nirvana to, you know, most recently Blake Shelton, Dirk Bentley, uh, you know, Cody Jenks, just t tons of people that, uh, that are very popular now. And, you know, it occurs to me a lot of these people are probably 40 years my junior or 30 years my junior, but it makes me feel young and it keeps me, keeps me going. So I guess that's a fun and surprising fact. Judy, I have to say, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I'm laughing. I'm smiling. I remember, I, I totally forgot about this until you just now said that. Um, we were, my husband, who's a former elected Republican, you know, when uh -huh. different culture, a different landscape back then, but he is a country music fan. And he, <laughs> he bought me um, tickets for, for, um, Dirks Bentley, whom I had never heard of. And I was like, I said, Mike, these tickets are for you. You know it. You're just using this as an excuse to splurge on yourself because he doesn't spend money. He is truly the fiscal conservative that we used to know in the Republican Party. So you know, he, bought me, he bought me these tickets and he didn't want to, I'm sure in his own subconscious was saying, you know, I can't splurge on me, but I can certainly splurge on Susan. So he gives me these tickets to Dirks Bentley and we go to the amphitheater in, in Mountain View. And I don't know who Dirks Bentley is. I don't really care. I'm not into country Western music like he is. Um, we are the, we are totally opposites in every way, but we do, we do complete each other, but I'm sitting there in the concert and I posted on Facebook that we were there and we put a silly selfie and all that good stuff. And you, you are like, I'm here too. I'm here too. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. That was so hilarious. And when I told him you were there, I mean, he knows about you for sure. I mean, you're very well known, well regarded. Your work is amazing. And he was like, "That see, awesome people go to Dirks Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of awesome people go to Dirks Bentley. And we try, you know, anytime that he's even close, we try to, to hit his shows because he always has other great guests who are young country stars he's trying to pull up. And I think that's really important. A lot of these guys, Blake Shelton's a great example, too, of people who um, go on tour and they bring people that they're trying to help. Um, you know, so it, it's kind of, you, you sort of look at the same model, whether it's, you know, women mentoring women, you know, musicians yeah. mentoring other musicians, it always works. And that's what makes them successful too. And, and I just think that's a good, you know, model to go by, help, help other people. Um, and, and you'll, you know, even, and here's kind of how I look at it. If you, even if you don't get anything out of it, you have the satisfaction of helping somebody else grow. Which to me is, you know, as we get older, 
that's, that's what I hope to be my legacy, that I helped other people. It's very fulfilling to live in service to others. Uh, I agree. I, yes. I that's where you're going with this. Um, for me personally, I call it selfish, but I love to see the joy it brings in people when you help them, lift them, help them succeed, explain something, solve a problem, prevent a problem. It just brings me uh, joy and it brings them joy. And I, I love that. I mean, it's just super great. Um, but I can't oh, tell absolutely. what a big kick I got out of it that you messaged me on uh, Facebook and said, we're here too. Or I think it was Twitter. <laughs> Maybe it was Twitter. I don't know, but you're out there. Could have been Twitter. I do, yeah. I do my best to try to tweet at every show I'm at. Somebody said to me the other day, well, you're, you know, your Twitters are kind of all over the place. I said, that's because it's me. <laughs> you know, it's like, I want to, I want to show people that I'm like a normal person. <laughs> That's so hilarious. I love that. I love that. So yeah, bring your whole self to work, bring your whole self home. Don't be one person nine to five and someone else after. I love that. That's incredible. Well, you are so fascinating. And uh, as oftentimes my guests make me smile and make me laugh, you have my cheeks burning because I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> That's great. You're absolutely fantastic. Well, if other people want to get to know you and love you like I do, how can they do that? Well, you can always call me, um, my, my um, office phone, 925-847-0104. And my email is judy at com. So I uh, would love to hear from people. The other thing you can do, um, look for me on Twitter and follow me and uh, look for me on Facebook. So, um, and I'm and on, on LinkedIn as well. So anybody who's looking for me, I go by Judy B as in boy, Lloyd. Judy B as in boy, Lloyd. Sounds like a um, Chicago character. Judy B as in boy, Lloyd. Um, I love it. You're <laughs> so wonderful. You're so brilliant. You're so hardworking, driven. Um, you know, a lot of people who are brilliant, hardworking, and driven are not nearly as fun to be around, but you are so all that plus fun to be around. So thank you so much. Well, you are, you are so sweet to say that. And, and so you were so uh, kind to invite me to be on here and, and so sweet to say that, um, you know, my, my feeling and I try to embody this in everything that I do is, you know, if you're not having fun doing it, go do something else because exactly. life's too short. Life is too short. And folks, Judy is working on a book and on, um, I think, a, a video production of sorts. When those things are final, I will update the blogcast and include hyperlinks to those uh, final products and, and such so that you can enjoy and benefit from her work. Um, so thank you so much. Great, thank, thank you. you. You're awesome. Oh, same to you. I really appreciated the opportunity. Thank you so much. Well, have a good day, everybody. Bye-bye.